<laughs> oh, really? That's yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's really, that's it. We're okay. jumping right in. Uh, let's see the bands that I've been in. Hi, Carbondale. Uh, I know how it <laughs> Don't always talk to the camera. Fletcher. I know how it always starts. Me. It always starts like, why would I listen to this person? Who is this person? That's the first comment is, who is this fuck? <laughs> and it's always Chuck Struess, but don't worry, Kara. Sure is like, enough. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I was born in Carbondale, 1981, October 8th. No, no, you're you're already blowing past. We don't oh, we're not there okay. yet. That's like you just want to go to bands. Yeah, we just okay. we start with bands and we'll get to being born the in first Carbondale. Band, God dang uh, it. Luke and I started a band. When we were like, I was like 15. Uh-huh. He might have been. 16 at the time called Malaco Plus. Okay. We were in that band for a very long time, released four or five records, ended up changing the name to The Last Laugh around the year 2000, played until like 2002. Uh, but I also played in other bands. Uh, I played in a band called The Holidays uh, with a bunch of guys, Dustin Mendenhall, who owns Tough Luck Tattoos, yeah. was a yeah. singer. I played in a band called SS Bounty Hunter with. John Dees and Josh Plemon and a bunch of other people. Uh, oh man, uh, put me on the spot to try to think. Of I literally told I you know. I was going to ask you this question. I know, and I have to kind of remember now because things are incestuous. <laughs> where, like, you know, it's okay. No, oh, I played just... a near death experience when that band started <laughs> and with Josh after SS Bounty Hunter, and we also started the Lonesome Drifters band, uh-huh. the country band, after Near Death was fizzling out. Uh, we started doing the country thing. Uh, yeah, the copyrights, obviously. And I played in a band in Delaware for a short time in 2002 Uh called The Reaction for about a year. It was a band that I started with some friends and moved out to Delaware and then we came back. And when I moved back was when we started the copyrights. The usual star studded story of we moved to Delaware to get famous. That's where you go (laughs) to get big. To play and, the big... and to incorporate your company because of the right. corporate tax structure. That's, that's right. That's, <laughs> that's where all the bills come from. So, yeah. Well, that... we're we're gonna we're gonna pay our Carbondale bills on this one, episode ninety-one of the WTF Carbondale podcast. We talked to interesting people about their interesting lives and tied all back to this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. Episode ninety-one. Adam Fletcher. Yes. Waste no time on this intro. We're sure. we're right to it. Sorry, you were talking about paying bills and something. something no, and I nothing big. It. But I moved back from Delaware, and me and Luke and I and Ken, who was in, in the Last Laugh and Malaco Plus, we immediately started the copyrights, and it's been an ongoing thing since two thousand and three. So how 20, do you what, twenty I mean, years? What, what's it What's it like just kind of working through the throes of like keeping a band just moving? Whatever direction or whatever speed it may be at varying times, uh, right? Well, there's a yeah. Our thing was kind of when we when when we started the band. For me, particularly, I guess looking back at it, I was very driven to be like, "This is what I want to do." Ooh, reflection. This is well, nice. <laughs> you got to look at it. It's been 20 years. Yeah, absolutely, so, man. And it was very much like I moved out to Delaware to be in a band. I always wanted to be in it. We were. I was always in a band. Yeah. It was just been a thing that's just been slowly, just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. So, yeah, whenever we were that, I was that age. I was, you know, it was 2003. It was like 19, 20 years old. Uh, well, yeah, 20. And, and we just wanted to do it, so we just did it. But there was a certain point where people that were in the band with us were not capable of always being able to do the tours. Yeah. So I would always put the cart before the horse and I would book a tour, even though we had no way of getting there. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's great. I mean, dude, that's how you got to do it. Getting Just the jump. show was the hardest part. Yeah. So then if, if you could get it, then it's like, we'll figure it out. We'll just, it'll, we're going to do it. You know, if it's in a car and we got to borrow gear, then it's in a car and we borrow gear or if it's in, you know, whatever it is. But that also applied to band members. So we've had several people fill in for tours throughout the years when yeah. other people couldn't make it. And, it was and that's just part of it is like we we have shows they're good shows i want people to hear the songs what friend of ours is available at this time luckily our songs are very easy to play <laughs> who do i want to hang out with <laughs> that was the best way to like just you know accept the role of pop punk in yeah well it's not <laughs> rocket science you know three chords cool you got a guitar and well we have one here you go <laughs> i want to hang out with you in the van for a month <laughs> you know you don't have to be great just be cool you know that's this is cool and, and i hadn't thought to look 
to you for like kind of guidance as I structure out the Creator Dale project and like work on getting just this like mass of creators just working together yeah. in in town and 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 around the way. But but you're you're right in the acknowledgement that like listen, have friends will flow like just chase the music and we'll all be there at some point in time to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It yeah, the everybody get the ego out of the way. Yeah. Realize that like the songs are good and the uh, what you're trying to do is play those good songs for as many people as possible. Yeah. So how do you get there? And maybe somebody has something going on or somebody's in school or somebody has a job. Well, who's around to fill in? You know, that kind of thing. It's not like you lose your place in the band. Yeah. I mean, some people have. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a natural thing that just yeah. develops over time. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of the way we've just done it. Just kind of just keep going. Forward. And, like, Carbondale's, like, life line of, like, bands over time is just a natural progression of who's able to or not to participate right. in the band. Like, and everybody just gets that. Yeah. Right. It's nice. Like you said, when people can just set their egos aside and understand that you're just playing in the mix with everybody yeah, and you yeah. may be here one day, but you may be there another and you may get to take a break at some point in time too. However you sure. need to work your own thing. And whenever, whenever you're ready to groove again, like yep. everybody's there to participate. Yeah. Things work a lot better that way. And yeah, I think most musicians that have been around for a long time might mm -hmm. see that yeah. uh, younger people that are like this is mine yeah this is me this is my brand my identity sometimes it's like uh there's some ego connected to that maybe and they'll learn through time sure yeah you know. they'll end up being eventually they'll be like you know what i don't want to be the front guy i just want to stand in the back and play the bass <laughs> <laughs> are you like living in this like torn world of being the guy that wants to stand in the back well, and play had, bass and being the front yeah, guy we had another band for a while where brett became the singer more brett a band called dear landlord oh uh -huh. dear landlord obviously which was another huge band that i completely forgot that i was in <laughs> jesus yeah and and i did get to just stand in the back and play the bass and just sing backup vocals every once in a while and they and i wasn't able to make Make all those tours so i was like see ya and then you yeah. got somebody to play the bass and you know fill in for me no big deal so the real question that everybody wants to know is <laughs> will darren hall ever book the ataris at teen town again no i actually <laughs> i could tell you no because i just saw him at full terror assault at cave and rock over the weekend and i was asking him about teen town and it sold to somebody somebody uh, bought it and uh -huh. it's now just like an office space or something that might not be true but <laughs> find out if it is because because i teen town goes back to the 70s like yeah. that was a yeah that's a really I, I just wish that uh people knew about the history of the spot because it's a vital part of so, I, of heron's like culture yeah. of, like this is a place where cool bands played yeah and i mean my i mean it's it literally goes through back to back to my father's generation yeah. and heron like yeah. it's absolutely yeah. a thing it should have been a landmark yeah and should have been probably purchased by the city a long time ago to be a community center but yeah i'm not into heron politics so i have no idea <laughs> but but you are into history i like some of it yeah. <laughs> well i mean the music history sorry when i say history i meant like that was kind of an all well those all things are intertwined yeah those things are connected but like how i mean where where did your like kind of first run at that kind of come from was it like did you just wake up one day and you're like, aha, I want to start really? I was always kind of into it because it was, I was always here. Yeah. So there's a certain point where I realize, oh, I'm 40 and I might be the oldest guy in the room yeah. at this show all of a sudden. Uh, so, uh, but also I remember coming home from a European tour and sitting at PK's alone and thinking about who might have just been through the same thing sitting at the same bar stool. Yeah. And like, there's a post tour depression that happens to everybody where, like, when you're on this moving thing for a month, where it's like, wake up, get in the van, drive hours, get there, load in, food, sound check, show people. It's like this constant you're never alone mm -hmm. it's like this constant thing and when that shuts off it happens very abruptly and there's a weird adjustment period that mm -hmm. happens where all of a sudden like 
you sit in the back of the van and you eat fast food. You sit in, in the, the van and you eat fast house. food by yourself. <laughs> but you also sit at PK's alone. <laughs> Whereas if I would have done that, you know, in whatever city somewhere else before a show, it would have been talking to people or like yeah. not not socially so much, but it's just a whole different thing. It's just like, as like a holding time and place. It's where a mind you're fuck. At. Yeah, there's a weird thing. <laughs> and uh, when that stops, it's it's kind of weird. But I was I just remember being like, oh man, I wonder like who else like probably did the same thing. Like just flew back from Paris, and now the first place they went was like the bar or whatever, and they're sitting here. And so that, and I already knew a lot about Carbonell music history, but that mm-hmm. really kind of made me want to figure it out. Yeah. So then I just started going down the rabbit hole and piecing together the family tree. Uh-huh. And, you know, lo and behold, I'm arm's reach away from everybody yeah. that ever, you know, had anything to do with the music scene here, kind of in a weird way. Yeah. Because everybody's kind of interconnected in this weird spider web. Mm-hmm. So that was really the thing that kind of led me down that path was just my figuring out myself, like where I came from, the people that did this before me in the same town. And where you came from was born in Carbondale in 1981. That's and right. That's where you introduced by the- Dr. Sung. Ha! <laughs> nice. And Dr. Sung built my house. That's wild. So every and now your wife's a doctor. My wife's a doctor. <laughs> and he so yeah, on my birthday every year I would just think like, well, Dr. Sung was waking up to go deliver me in the same house, like drinking coffee in the same kitchen. <laughs> Full circle, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's just like the Carbondale thing man you're just part of your own story in a special way that's weird yeah that's wow yeah and you i mean just born born right did you i mean did you grow up in carbondale or were you surrounding community i grew up in carterville okay we'll forgive you it's okay it's okay yeah it's not it's just where i landed (laughs) carterville was good i like it i mean i I haven't. I don't live and there. And old any- Carterville is different than new Carterville. Like, I don't know. Distinctly different. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I don't hang out. I don't. I never go there anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't go anywhere. I hang out in my house. You're like I'm. I'm old, and I live in my basement. Yeah, I live in my house. I have two <laughs> children that I'm just managing all the time, and that's my job. But uh, I, growing up in Carterville, I, I will say this: I had a great childhood. Yeah, I loved it over there. It was good, and that's where we first started playing music. Yeah. We had nowhere to play, so we'd rent out the park building. And say we're having a birthday party and just mm-hmm. have a show. We'd just plug into the outlets of the Cannon Park Pavilion. That's the first place I ever played. Yeah. And just invite our friends to come watch our crappy band play songs. And it just worked. Yeah. And it's still what kids do, and they should. So what was your like first introduction to Lost Cross then? Um, I went there once. Uh, Mike Martin, who was the singer of Malaco Plus, who was older than us, was already friends with people uh-huh. in Carbondale. And I was friends with the Wax Dolls, and they were a Carterville band, mm-hmm. and they were a good introduction to Carbondale for us too. But once Luke got a driver's license, then we made our way over here. So uh, he's a year older than me, so I was 15 and he was 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lost Cross was, I went there on a weekday with Mike, and they were having a haircut and dye party where like a bunch of people were getting their haircut and dyed. <laughs> but I went to a show a couple months later, probably. Uh, and it was a band called Scared of Shaka and a band called Leonard's Innards. And Scared of Shaka is still like one of our favorite bands and totally amazing. Leonard's Innards is awesome too. It was just a mind blower. And then once we were, once that door was opened, there was no closing it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, this is, this exists. I can go to a basement and see a totally amazing band for $3. Yeah. Sign me up. And, and it's then, like. And I'll just drink soda. I don't even drink. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do drugs, I don't drink, I don't do anything. I'm just going to drink soda and watch kick-ass bands and buy merch and be a part of that. So that was, yeah, we were in. It's a, it has always been that special kind of place for for youth that are developing their tastes as they become adults. Comes and goes. It ebbs and flows with the people that live there, but yeah, it's the only all-ages place. Yeah, that makes sense. Where else do you go to... (laughs) Where does your band play when you're 16? Yeah. You know, the park building? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, clearly, or, yes, but. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, I've said this a million times, like, it's not a good place to play. It's a terrible basement. It floods. There's pillars in the way. It sounds bad. It's just not. It fits, like, 50 people. You're never yeah. going to make any money. It's All the money goes to the touring band. I mean, there's rules. No local bands get paid. Yeah. No selling alcohol. You, you know, there's there's rules. But... 
It's also a great place. Where, it doesn't like, sound very punk rock. I'm kidding. It is punk. Okay. In that idea, <laughs> there has that, to be structure. Yeah, there's you structure. Can't, it can't be lawlessness. That's right. <laughs> the anarchy. But, <laughs> but, but I, what I'm getting at is like, in a dingy basement, hiding behind two pillars at one o'clock in the morning, with just a handful of your friends, is a great place to hone your craft and like build your confidence as a band. Yeah. And. I, that's that's the purpose that it seems to serve. I mean, it really does. Like, yeah, it's a it's like like I've said this before. A comedian going to a small room, working it out down there. Like, it's a good place to f- to learn how to play music. Who are you? You were telling me about like a comedian that like specifically wanted to come to Carbondale. Oh yeah, Chris like, Gethard. There you go. Yeah, Chris Gethard. Yeah, he'll he'll be here at some point. Yeah, he'll make his way here. Very good. Yeah, he's obsessed with. Particularly playing Lost Cross, which is a hard gig. Get your beer. Get your it's beer. It's a hard hold gig. It, just hold it in your hand. Adam yeah, Fletcher. I know. I know. I, I'm thirsty. <laughs> but, you know, doing a comedian down there, is, that's something else. But, uh, yeah, Chris Gethard, he's been in a bunch of movies. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Is it, is it like just the America's Oldest Punk House concept that he's like caught up we in? We have mutual friends, and okay. um, he knows all about it. And he's married. He's married to a friend of mine, uh, who's played there a few times. That makes so, sense. Yeah, and that too. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a landmark. It's, it's an it's a landmark. It literally is. You yeah. Google Lost Cross, and it comes up as landmark, which how, is really funny. No, did Did you guys like do that specifically? I didn't or? do that. No, I don't know how do you do that. I don't know. I, no I don't know idea. how to internet. No, no, I don't. Yeah. Is it Is it Reggie that owns it now? Is yeah. it Walker's Rentals? The, I mean, dude, that's you know, that's you. You can't really ask for much more than for it to be like part of a larger portfolio that can self support, right? The existence of Lost Cross. Yeah. And not I mean, be, he he bought it because of what it is. Yeah. So. It's yeah. Good. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a thing that I somehow I love it. Is there a particular like point in Lost Cross history that you're just like this was the raddest point for me personally is Adam Fletcher. Like is there like a time Well, in- I didn't start hanging out there until like 1996. Okay. So That's still seven. I know. 20 <laughs> I know. Your face is just like thanks <laughs> for making me understand what age is like. Yeah. But it I remember then being like, holy shit, this place is 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, there was a point in time where whenever, I don't think I'm wrong when saying this, whenever I started hanging around, it was a lot of older, it was older yeah. people. I mean, yeah. it's, I guess I was, you know, <laughs> like, I was a child. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so, but, but what I'm getting at is shortly after uh, we started playing there and, and and stuff, there was kind of an abundance of younger bands that started yeah. to pop up from us doing these shows at halls, you know, the Marion Civic Center place and Carterville mm-hmm. and around town where you just things just younger people started to pop up. It was also the time when punk was on the radio. Yeah, yeah. That had a really big effect on everything. So it became very mainstream and palatable to people uh, and acceptable. And young kids were then interested in it. So there was a scene of younger bands that popped up in the later half of the 90s where that whole punk scene got very young. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it was better. I don't necessarily think it was better. It was just active yeah. in that particular Yeah, way. yeah. And it was, you know, kids doing it, so it was, like, pretty genuine. It wasn't just, like, people there to be a shithead, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was some of that. They brought their yeah. shithead jock friends to the show, but whatever, they introduced them to... They went to a show at Lost Cross once, you know, when they were in high school. And now that's there. Now yeah. that exists. They get to hold on to that. They do. <laughs> they do. Like, are, are there people that you, like, bump into that are just like, yeah. Like, I went to Lost Cross once. It's so cool that you're doing that. All there. the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. At least you went there or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even matter if you went. I don't know. Just what. that you know. Well. Right? Just to be aware, like. I don't know. At this point, it's like, yeah, it's it's its own thing. It's it's becoming its own identity. There's this punk rock museum that's about to open in Las Vegas, and I have some artifacts that I'm going to send there. Uh, it was going to open in September, but they pushed it back because of remodeling, because of COVID and things. Yeah, so it no, probably no won't be open until next year. No. But yeah, there's a punk rock museum in Las Vegas that's going to open, and I have some artifacts that are going to be front and center in there. What so. are they? Like, are they... What 
can you? I have, oh, well, I have uh, a huge cross that's been in the house since 1999. Uh-huh. It, uh, shortly after Easter of 1999, uh, my friend Joey and I stole a cross from the football field at Carterville High School nice. after Easter, and uh-huh. we put it in the car and drove it straight over to Lost Cross, and it's been in the house since then. So, yeah, I broke that down, and I'm going to ship that to them. But I also have the receipt for the first month's rent from <laughs> September of 1986 signed the thing. I have it. And so that's going to go with it as well. That's it's an amazing artifact. The crazy thing about that was that Mikey Snot, uh, Mike from Diet Christ, you know, we've been talking a lot about stuff, and he was like, dude, I just opened up this book, and it fell out. Like, just a couple months ago. It was just there. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, that's fate. He's like, you want it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you, who do you think? Man? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is there any more proof? And here it is. Like, here's this thing that's like the first month's receipt. Was it was it like a fresh build in 86? Or was it like... I don't know. I didn't live there. But, I mean, I've seen... There's, the, no, there's no way. I've seen the print. photos. Yeah. And, yeah, there's nothing on the walls. It's all clean and white. And there's no furniture or anything. Whew. Yeah. What, what's the trans- what was the transition like? Like taking stuff off the walls in Lost Cross. I mean, were you... They don't part- come off the walls. But I, they, oh, is all, is all the original stuff from Forever Ago still on the no, walls? No, thought- in 2002, the whole living room got dr- re-drywalled by Billy Bollinger and Jeff Funberg and Bob Shaw and a few other people. Okay. So all of the graffiti, everything was... T- the photos were taken of the walls and the posters were taken down and then got new drywall and then the posters were put back up. But the graffiti and the the markers and stuff, the stuff that was written on the walls is just gone. So if if you if you want to get specific, the oldest part of the house, if you're ever walking around, is the wall in the kitchen that goes to the bathroom. And if you kind of stare at it long enough, these old faint words will kind of pop up. Pop up where like you can see like old graffiti from a really long time ago. But like all the section. all the flyers and posters and stuff that was all over the walls, I thought that all came down at some point in time in the last like three or five years. No, no, that's all. No, still it's up. like okay. mostly glued to the wall. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. What What was I thinking of? Like I thought that sometime like after. No, Sam, it's been about twenty years since that stuff. Okay. It, and you can see it too because most of those there's a lot of flyers. There's some flyers from the '80s and stuff. Not many. Most of it is '90s stuff. But was there like a transitional point where there was like concern that there wasn't occupancy in the house and like it may not, I, I guess I, I really thought that there was something that there was something more that has gone on like in the past three to five years or so that like, I don't know, threat, threatened some of the, some of the like core like visuals or, or functions of the house. But I may, I may just be like way off base and not plugged in, which is totally um, also the thing. Visually. No, no, it's been, it's still visually stimulating. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. So, uh, but you know, there was definitely a couple of points in time where there was some rent that was probably due, but, uh, ah, yeah. what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah. th- I don't there think there were some fundraisers for rent and things to keep <laughs> it going. So good thing. Everybody pitched in, kept it going. That's, I mean, the good thing about like this anniversary thing is the last time worked out really well. Like, we got we sold a bunch of tickets a bunch of people came and all yeah. of the money goes to repairing the house so yeah. we just use it to fix things that needed to be done we raised the basement 4 inches wow did all new wiring in the basement and built a whole new i mean whole new bathroom kitchen floor closets i mean there were a lot of things done the whole new living room floors got redone uh, things nobody notices yeah when you go unless, in a house unless you're living in it yeah and yeah you would never know yeah but I noticed because I've touched like every single spot of that place because <laughs> I did it all. Well, were you ever really a property or like working on a house kind of guy? No, until you were no, like- no, no, it's not. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. And I don't work. I mean, I didn't even do the, all the work. No, no I no, just no. like, yeah, these are things that need to be fixed because if not, you might have some serious problems. It's yeah. taken a lot of abuse. It's been like 35 years of abuse. Just straight abuse beaten on. Yeah, people don't treat it. Yeah, it's not treated well. It's not supposed to get treated well. But there you go. <laughs> I come from the other school where I'm like, you should. We should try to preserve this thing. That's well, that's, like that's very fair. fragile. I mean, yeah, part part of it's like 
you, you can't you can't treat it too nicely because that's not real punk rock. It's never going to. But be you nice. also can't. But you also can't treat it so poorly because if it falls in, then there is no more punk rock. It also is. <laughs> yeah, it's. It ain't coming back. Like there's no. There's no like rehabbing the house. Like it's either going to be demolished and there's going to be an apartment building built there, or it's going to stay what it is. Yeah. You know. There's no like, oh, well, we're just gonna, we'll just tear this down and redo it. It's like, nah, we're just gonna start over. <laughs> like, this place is, <laughs> this place is too much. And then that would, and that would really, I mean, that would be a disservice to yeah, it's Carbondale. A, it's gonna be a sad day when it's gone. Yeah, well, it'll, ha- it'll, it'll happen, eventually. All things come to an end, but it's just, I'm not. That day is not today, my friend. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> add another 25 years before you get down. You that never road. know. You never know. That's what I mean. Ten yeah. years, when I was 10, 15 years ago, I was like, can't believe this has been here for 10 years. Yeah. And here it is 35. And it's like, whoa, that happened fast. <laughs> it really does just kind of. Yeah. It goes by there. really fast. There's also, a, you know, it existed for a long time. Are we just going to talk about Lost Cross the whole time? I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't know where I we're going to go. <laughs> but I want to say it existed for so long because it never carried the entire scene. Yeah. There were always other houses. Basement venue culture yeah. is a part of Carbondale. Yeah. And those places existed before Lost Cross. All right. So we're not just going to talk about Lost Cross this whole time then. Let's talk about all the basements of Carbondale. Oh, oh, okay. So, <laughs> well, I don't know them all. Someone from Champaign recently got a hold of me to ask that question. Yeah. And so I'm working on creating like a, a lineage of basement venues to, he wants to put over some maps and things to population growth and things, whatever. We'll figure it out. But yeah. I was like, I should probably sit down and come up with that. Um, you want me to think about what I know? Yeah, I guess. sure. Um, <laughs> You're not really going to be able to think about stuff you don't know. Trench Bar is probably the first, which is on Walk Up in Oakland. That was like 1984. Wow. 83 to 85. Uh, the Fuzz Tones played there. Corrosion of Conformity played there. Uh as far as much as I can gather. I mean, I was never around for any of this stuff, yeah, obviously. Yeah, because you were These are, two. I was not around, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, after, shortly after that was uh, Cafe Flesh, which is on Beverage and Cherry, and that became uh, Club Romex, which is a place that Malcolm lived at forever, yeah. for like 20 years, and they had shows there. House of Voodoo, which is over uh, on the other side of town, over by the police station. The house is still there. That carried a lot of weight for a long time in the late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s. But yeah, there's sporadic weird houses here and there that did shows, a couple shows and, and things. Um, but none of them never saw Nirvana play. None of them had Nirvana play, or they didn't sleep. Nirvana did not sleep at Lost Cross. Because <laughs> in 1998, that was the rumor that I heard, or whatever. So, and they didn't. And The Offspring didn't either. So, uh, they never played here. <laughs> I mean, how much how much time do you have consumed in the Nirvana story? I at want this to point? believe, <laughs> and I don't. And now you can't. And I don't. Yeah, <laughs> because I don't. you can't. I can't. So if <laughs> because you wanna, you've been told otherwise. If you want to get into it? <laughs> yeah, I do. All right, Nirvana. <laughs> Listen, man, we're not even at the half hour mark on the podcast. Okay. We got all the time in the world. According to the Daily Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> and they're a, a reputable uh, news source. I, here's the deal, man. I feel like somebody just talked to Robbie because I spurred Robbie on that question. I don't and know. then Robbie told somebody who then told somebody the DE. And that was the, that was it. They read it on the internet, so it's a fact. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's where I'm going with it. 1989, July the 4th, there is a Nirvana. It's listed on the internet as their tour dates. Nirvana played 611 Pizza. Yeah. Everybody that I know that hung out at that time says I never saw that show. I can't find an advertisement for it. There's no anything. I have a huge stack of the original posters and flyers from the collection, like things that have been handed down. Yeah. That are all 611, the original, like handwritten, here are the shows for the month yeah. things. There's no Nirvana anywhere. There's a band called Shravana. S H R A V A N. And they played in October 20th, 1991, uh, or something, maybe 1990. Uh, 
either way, they exist. They were made up of some SIU students. They existed for four months. And the, the mix-up comes from one person who claims to have been there and made up a story, <laughs> said it on the internet, and everybody believes it. But the other people that are involved in this story cannot corroborate the story. Yeah. Malcolm Robertson, who worked at 611 Pizza at the time, had it. Whose wife was like episode yes, she was 57, give or take, of the he, WTF Garden okay. podcast. Sorry, I always like to throw plugs he in He had the a memory of, of serving somebody uh -huh. with long hair some pizza that had no cheese on it or something because they had like lost their yeah. food license. It was like a comical story. And in 20, it was probably before, we just talked about this last night. The last... I'm getting off base here. He's okay. the guy who apparently served the pizza to him, to Kurt Cobain, and uh, had had this memory. There's the story on the internet that he has that, that says Malcolm was there. Yeah. Malcolm has every paste of from every job he's ever worked. And a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> he had this thing. epiphany and he was like, I'm going to go look. He went and looked. He was in Chicago working at a fireworks display that weekend. He wasn't even in Carbondale. So he was like, I, I can't even place myself there. So there are like two stories. The other one is about the soundboard. The soundboard story. And the soundboard story was that the drummer of Nirvana had spilled a beer into the soundboard and ruined a channel. And Chris Wisman had said, don't ever get rid of that soundboard because, you know, it's Nirvana. Christmas when I asked Chris, he's like, I was yeah, never there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as Robbie told me that, I emailed Chris. And I was also, like, <laughs> the whole idea of them renting a soundboard for 611 from Robbie seems far-fetched because everybody was like, we never rented sound for that at all. It was just yeah. like somebody brought their shitty PA. The other thing is if you look at the actual routing, it's insane. It's 650 miles or something from their other show. Like, they couldn't even get here yeah. in time. And it was on the 4th of July. Stupid. <laughs> so Malcolm talked to the guy who wrote this tour date list, and he was someone who works for the Nirvana fan club. Oh. And he talked to him. The last correspondence he had with him was in 2014, uh -huh. but he had talked to him before that. So this whole tour date idea came from him contacting Malcolm about 611, Malcolm telling him the story about, I remember vaguely serving cheese to a guy with blonde hair in a band called Shravana. Uh-huh. Could have been. I don't know. You know, nobody was around. Nobody would have cared. <laughs> and the whole thing, the guy's just like empty tour date, 611 pizza, you know, and that's it. And nobody ever questions it or ever even looked into the logistics of it. Yeah. But people want to believe. I want to believe. But it's just not true. <laughs> I love it, and I don't it's know if that whole—I don't know if that whole long-winded way about telling the story made sense because I know we've talked about it oh, kind of dude, back and forth. Yeah, but so the, I, but I, I apologize. No, there's a lot apologize. of there's a lot of stuff. I love, I love how like you, the entirety of the story is told in this tone of voice that is just you wanting to believe. I want it to happen so badly. No effects played at 611 Pizza. Nobody, Did no effects actually? Yeah, nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, you're actually signed to Fat Mike's fucking label. Yeah, so, but, but nobody, <laughs> there's no flyer for that. Nobody yeah. cares. But we all know it happened because people knew it happened. Yeah. And we're around. That's the thing. Like, you know, somebody. When shows happened, people were at the shows. Yeah. Or at least there would be some. You wouldn't hear about it 20 something years later. Yeah. You would have heard about it three years later when they were the biggest band in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it would have been like there. Yeah. Yeah. There it's like been, Drake, Drake playing. There would have been people claiming to have claiming it. Yeah. But there wasn't. It was just became this weird legend that kind of happened. Um, but but it was a myth before. Like, that's the thing. In the yeah. 90s, it was Nirvana slept here. Or somebody did something. I just I want to believe if anybody listening to this uh, went to that show and you have a way to prove it. <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> Bring it forward. Bring it forward. I want to believe. <laughs> is, I want to piece this it together. Is the call. Yeah. Because, you know, there are plenty of bands that played in a basement or a bar and nobody was there that went yeah. on to be huge successful things. Yeah. I'm not saying it didn't couldn't happen. Yeah. I just I have no none of the stories line up. That's the issue. What's cool is that plenty of stories in this town do line up though. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It works out. Yours it, is one of them. Well, I mean, 
I mean, you guys are you guys are signed again, right? You're you've got an album. We're signed, out. man. Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> at forty one, what does being signed mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was like this time that we uh, went to jail in the UK because we flew over there without the proper permits, and they had they did this like interview. They put us in jail and they banned us from the country for a year. But while they were they took us in these separate rooms and they were interviewing us. Which one of you cracked first? There was no cracking. It was more like, yes, you got us. <laughs> uh, but uh, they were interviewing us about, you know, what we're doing and all this. And all right, give me. I need the unopened water down there. You're not. You're not on your water as much as I. Sure. We're, we're breaking the fourth wall right now because I'm thirsty. Okay. <laughs> you can edit that out. I'm not going to oh, though. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, when I'm talking to her, she's like, you know, you guys are a professional band. You're signed. Yeah. And I'm like. <laughs> Oh, that's what. Well, and I'm like, lady, anybody with the internet in the closet can have a record label. Yeah, I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, our level of band is very low. Like, we're not, we're not, we're not the Who. Oh yeah, we the, are. The who? last person they had in there was <laughs> Belinda Carlisle. I'm like, we're not that. Like, <laughs> you know, we're flying over here with nothing. So that's fair. Yeah. No, we've uh, we've done that with, with a friend of mine. Well, with Sam. God, this is gonna. Come back to bite us in the ass if anybody in immigration ever fucking reads this. But fucking my buddy Sam, who we'd done, we'd shot his special here. It's literally like streaming on Amazon in the UK through a comedy service called Next Up. And yeah. it's like it was much it's much easier to hide being a comedian. Oh yeah. Than it is to well, hide our being a issue band. was that we had been caught before. Uh, oh, oh, so this was not your first time being <laughs> fugitives of the international no. immigration codes no. or whatever. No. Yeah, what our issue was this wasn't the first time illegally jumping into a country to play music. Well, we had been in we got caught once and then we had been in since. Yeah. So then I thought I could get away with it again. So yeah. And it was also a thing where it was very short notice. We weren't getting any money. There was yeah. no money exchange. So there wasn't even an opportunity to apply for the proper paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real dumb thing. We learned our lesson. We won't do that anymore. But we went back to the UK. If you are listening, immigration officials. We'll never do that again. And since we, we've been back, we went back and we did it right. They let us right in. Everything was good. We're, we're on good terms. No. So. Good job. Yeah. yeah. How, what's, what's it like having like international following? Like, you know, even if it's just thousands of people, right? There's still thousands of people somewhere. Yeah. Uh, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's great. I can go anywhere in the world and I have somebody that I know. Like I could, hey, what are you doing? Like I know somebody in almost every city across Europe, Western yeah. Europe. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. It's what? all just because of playing music. It's stupid. Is it a different kind of appreciation for music? Yeah, it's when a, you're in. It's a vehicle. I, it's a way to get you out of Carbondale. Yeah. By just playing songs that you and your friends wrote. Because I've heard this place is a black hole. It can suck you in. <laughs> Easy living. Easy living. Uh, here's, here's what's funny. Every time I you like... You leave, but you can easily come back. <laughs> That's always the thing. It brings you back. Uh, as soon as I'm out, they pull me right back yeah. in. Yep. No, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, talk to, I talk to people all the time. And, like, it is, you know, it, on this podcast, just you know, person to person. It's like that's always the discussion when you're talking about like how you feel about Carbondale and what your concerns are and like how you're just always drawn back and it is what it is. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I always wonder like, you know, when do people really start talking about Carbondale, like this black hole, like this place of gravity <laughs> that just know. doesn't let you go. And I'm like, did you guys do that? Did you guys start the black hole thing in the mid two thousands? Or, you know, was that already a concept and you guys just latched onto it? And it became just a, uh, it was something written on the wall at lost cross that Brett, that Brett wrote in a drunken stupor oh. that we talked about. All right. And it just became a concept. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What is, what is the, I mean, how do you guys work out your creative process, like as a, as a band and at, has that changed? This, over time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. At this point, we all live in separate places. Yeah. Luke's in Springfield, Brett's in Nashville. Kevin lives in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Luke and I have like home studios. So, and Luke is since, I mean, since Malaco plus days has yeah. been crafting songwriting. So he sends me a song. I do my thing. We hash it out with demos and then, Eventually, we all get together and record our parts, yeah. basically, at this point. Yeah. That's, that's where good. we're at. 
I mean, it's it's. If any has if any has an idea, we just send it to each other type of thing. I mean, it's that's how we work. We I mean, before you know, when we started the band, we would just go down to the basement and play. Yeah. But we're not in that position anymore. So. Do you feel like having been more polished musicians with time in this that it makes it more manageable to work at a distance from one another. Yeah. Cause yeah, we've always been Luke particularly, but we're both on the same page. Like it's hard to make something sound good. Yeah. And we're always working towards trying to make something sound good, yeah. better, make it better. How do you, you know, the studio thing, like, uh, so having a studio, yeah, it's fun to we just remotely send stuff to each other, and and we're <laughs> both works. like involved in studio stuff. Yeah. Like we're we're into that angle. It's it's not just like, you know, recording something onto Audacity and sending it on your iPhone or whatever. Like we're not that level of a band. Yeah, we're, we're more into like. You've actually got microphones. You're a lot of microphones, a lot of cabinets, a lot of angles, yeah. a lot of nerdy stuff. Yeah. I feel like I need to ask you if I can come check out your home studio. It's so nothing. I get a it's feel not for, fancy at all. It's I just, just I, wait, wait, just to know what we're putting into the incubator and other stuff like that. It's oh. like what, what, what ideas occur? I mean, like this room, right? I mean, this, and it may just be this. Maybe yeah. this is just what I need to replicate. That's all you need. I mean, you can get away <laughs> with like. That's the thing that's so crazy now. Is yeah. A plug-in in your computer is every guitar amp ever. Yeah. And drums too. Like you just replace the drum with. You want Led Zeppelin snare drum? Well, here it is. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you want the Nirvana snare drum? There it is. It's uh, it's you can do so much with very little. Mm -hmm. That's just the way music's made now. That's where, and especially post pandemic. I mean, this is this is the way it is. Do you? I mean, do you produce anything off of just sound effects yourself? Is that uh, is that something that you that you play around with at all or? Like audio, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just yeah, just, yeah, just sound effects and however. I don't know any of the technical how to talk about it. That's my. Oh apology. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a little studio and stuff. I've recorded a few bands and yeah, Bedspin and Long Darts and some Buzzard stuff here and there. And yeah, That's legit, just around. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I think so. So one of the other things I want to do as part of the Creator Dell project is like map out the studios of Carbondale. Mm. Like I think if if we like, that's a thing that. That when I was going through my music history rabbit uh -huh. hole was the recording studios of Southern Illinois because yeah. there weren't that many up until things got digital. Yeah, or at least four track. The four track took over the eighties. Mm -hmm. You could do things on the cassette tape in anybody's house, and that cassette tapes obviously dominated all eighties releases. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there weren't that many. There weren't that many places in Carbondale like you know sixties seventies. And a lot of them were doing gospel stuff and, and kind of, but hmm. yeah. Well, you had Smokestack Studios, which was out Macanda or whatever. But uh, I don't know where I'm going with any of this. Dude, it's the <laughs> podcast, man. We just, you, 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 you want to go down the history. They go, they go any and everywhere. If you want to go down the history of, of Carbondale Studios, I mean, you had Noteworthy, which did a bunch of things uh -huh. in the 90s. They had a recording studio and they had a record label there, put out stuff, a reception records. And uh, Joe had Soundcore Studios forever. Yeah. That was the first place I ever recorded. Uh, and uh, come to think of it, those were kind of the only two big ones that I can think of that dominated the 90s. And, oh, Mike Lasilius, of yeah. course, Misunder Studio. But, yeah, there's stuff. And now you can just do it all on your iPhone. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so. Dude, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I, watched a, I watched a video or a series of videos the other day that was like, the, the guy was just using his phone as his microphone. And that was the first time I had really like seen that, you know, no on the street mic, yeah, no like right. lapel, no boom. no boom, no nothing. Just, Here you know, it is. here's, you know, somebody's filming me with their phone. Here's me recording your voice with my phone. <laughs> we'll send fine. the files together and boom, we're there. Yeah. Sounded good. It was wild. Yeah, it's wild. Crazy. I mean, just the, the quality. And it's like, so the question then becomes what is the value in the content that you make? Like if, if everybody's, level playing field is all equipment. And I, I think like you said, the pandemic does this just as well, right? Every big name, anybody yep. was forced to record from home. Yep. Right. Now we're all on the every same late level. night talk show, right. every, everything. So then the question is like, do you have the merit to warrant is your creativity, is your sound, is your interview, is your joke, is yeah. your painting, whatever. 
I know. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and also, like, what makes something better than something else? Yeah. I don't know anymore. Yeah. Like, there's just, I don't know. Because it isn't just notoriety. Yeah. I, like. <laughs> and I don't, and things that are popular, I'm like, who? Yeah. You know, and, and other people. <laughs> what? Pe what years? I know, I'm 40. <laughs> but at the same time, other people are like, who? Yeah. You know, like, oh, they just, oh, they bought a good publicist this month. Yeah. And, you know, they don't have any real fans, but they got, you know. <laughs> they got some news articles. Exactly. Yeah. And they look larger than they are. And uh, it's a real mind fuck of what's. What Fake it till what. you make it stuff, man. Yeah. And I'm sure it's always been that way. Yeah. Now is just, there's so much publicity because of social media. And uh, overexposure. Yeah. Well, here's here's what here's what's something that's that's crazy to me, right? So I have I had um, and this uh, guy uh, Hollywood who who was on the podcast in like the the '60s range, and he was an SIU student for for a couple of years, and then just like he he kept performing. Yeah. And like he was doing videos, and he was doing songs, and he was cranking it out, and he finally had a song that popped off like yeah. three or four months ago, and. Now he's going through the remix process and shooting more videos and getting signed and yeah, yeah. doing all this other stuff. But like at the same time, I see his I see his Facebook page when he when he posts something and it's like you know just a handful of people they're engaging. It's like hold on, so you've got you've got nearly a hundred million streams and thirty million music video views and all this other stuff that exists over here. Because there's an audience that that isn't that. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's like crazy how you can have the yep. even even the segmentation it of is. your own fame yeah. that you can be incredibly famous and notable here, and then you can still be kind of private and personal. Yeah. Over here, because like when they when he was doing his behind the scenes video shoot stuff of like doing his video with uh, Soldier Boy and whatever else, it was like, okay, cool. Like I feel like very privileged to be like viewing this as one of you know just a couple hundred people. Yeah, they get to see this through a very personal lens, while everybody else is kind of at the gates, listening on Spotify, watching the YouTube. We video, were also whatever. a band that started in two thousand and three. Yeah, so like. MySpace wasn't even a thing. Yeah. So our we have an older audience that isn't. Yeah, we we've been a band for twenty years. So maybe not our social media crowd is yeah. like people older people that still come to shows and buy records. But at the same time, you're you're just as apt to get picked up by oh well the beast at some point in time, right? Well, like I don't if know ever like something hits. And it just becomes whatever a song, and all of a sudden you're TikTok famous. <laughs> you love that, I, dude. I'm not getting <laughs> off of that. I'm telling you, like you're gonna wake up one day, all like right. in a couple years, and you're gonna be like, "Why do I have a thousand <laughs> Why? emails? Yeah. Why is there a million plays on <laughs> Like, what is going on here? And it'll be like TikTok teens found the copyrights, <laughs> and that would be it, was, it was just the right time. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that stuff's all <laughs> right place, right time. Who knows? I don't know, but. We've been a band for 20 years. Yeah. That shit doesn't matter to us. Yeah, you just love doing what you do. We've been doing it since high school. Yeah. It's all an extension of we just do what we do. We like hanging out with each other sometimes. Sometimes. No, we do. And we like playing music with each other. Yeah. And what, what else? I mean, I don't know. That's it. What did no, it? No goals, no aspirations. <laughs> just, just fucking We're from the basement. Rock, man. We come from just, the basement. Just, yeah. <laughs> Make the music. Well, the, yeah, dude, I, I mean, it's a good... It's a good it's an overall wholesome music story. You yeah, just did, like there's like there's no there's just no bullshit about it. Just that's like, true. You know that, yeah. that's that's why it will have staying power throughout the age. It's why so many different people and bands and sounds have that staying power. And I'm sure. I mean, again, again, you know this because you get to dig through the history of this stuff, right? Yeah. That like because most people were in it for the right reasons, right? Yeah, that's mainly the staying power. Yeah. <laughs> And if like, yeah, and if somebody, somebody might be in it for the right reasons, but they also might move away because they graduated from school. Yeah. And then they go get a real job. That's usually the way things work in Carbondale. Because once you graduate, there's no job for you here. So yeah. you move somewhere else. Did you ever think that this would lead to like civic contributions like you're involved in no, now? Absolutely not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no. What has that been like? Um... Be gentle. No, I'm just no. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I it, again, it was the type of thing where I realized, oh well, I'm 40 or whatever, almost 40. I will be in October. But you know, again, it's like I'm, I'm old enough to care. Yeah. And I'm a homeowner. My wife is a pediatrician. Yeah. I have. I live here. My kids are here. I'm 
entrenched in this yeah. and I fucking care about it. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. And also, Carbondale's pretty small. Yeah. And the leadership here is very easily accessible. Yeah, for sure. And if you have a plan that is well thought out and you have your shit kind of together, they'll listen to you. Yeah. And that is a thing that you should take advantage of because yeah. in other larger cities, you won't be paid attention to. That, yep. So I'm, I feel very grateful for the people that have paid attention to me and listened to what I had to say. Things have just kind of slowly fell into my lap, one thing after another. Yeah. So it kind of went like with, you know, uh, the Eclipse show and then Halloween and then the Lost Cross 30th anniversary and then other things. And it's just like if you can, if you can show the people that are making the rules that we can do this, here's a template to how to do it, whether it be at the varsity, like bringing in my own projector and my own home theater system. There you system go. Plug that video that's coming up. To play nice. a or to play a, a movie. <laughs> yeah. I showed a movie here, which I think was like the first movie at the varsity that they showed yeah. since forever. And it was just totally DIY. It was yeah. just like, I'm bringing my own stuff, but here's how you do it. And then here's maybe that's, maybe that's the other part of the charm that, about this place that I never quite put my finger on is that even though it's like this old building with some sort of stature and meaning and whatever, it's still like a DIY venue. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It that's, totally is. Yeah, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. You have I'll, a board of people, Yeah, but everybody's just trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, this is as DIY as it gets. Of like, course. we're sitting in, yeah. like, you know, people don't see, eventually when the room is done, I will do some, like, around the room video magic, right? Well, you but can't like, see it, but there's a waterfall over there. <laughs> there's, there's marble flooring. <laughs> unicorns. This place is great. It's, it's federally <laughs> funded yeah, no it's but it is yeah and then uh i don't know that that's a yeah the diy thing you yeah know, you just do it you make it happen yeah something doesn't exist you want it to exist get off your ass and go make it happen yeah that's what it that's what it boils down to it's like carbondale story right there it is yeah. yeah build it out of sticks who gives a shit man just build it yeah do it <laughs> it might suck might not, but yeah. and some people will like it. Some people might not. Who cares? All Just right. So you, you were talking about the, the early concerts you threw. Let's talk about one in particular. What do you want? <laughs> Your guys with the face masks. Face masks. The the guys that dress like luchadors. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was a Halloween show. What, low what, straight jackets. Low straight jackets. Thank you. I've seen them on Conan O'Brien yeah. as well. And those yeah, they were like on Conan. That. And I pissed them off that night. And I pissed Steve Mitchell off that night. Why are you such a dick? <laughs> I asked Robbie. Robbie said, go ask who was working the stage. Mm, well, it was a couple of people. I was gone. I was in Florida. That's fine. I, so, so I asked Robbie. Robbie says, I don't care. Just go ask whoever's on the side of the stage. Yeah. I went and asked whoever was on the side of the stage. Whoever's on the side of the stage says... Go What'd give it do? a run. What'd you do? Tell some jokes? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm get, oh, my God. I can't believe you haven't heard this. Oh, my God. This is your first time hearing me tell this story. This is great. Okay, cool. Ah, that's okay. Oh, so, so all I wanted to do was announce that the Varsity that evening would have a Midnight Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, this is my opportunity. So I go, I ask Robbie, say, hey, Robbie, can I go hop up on stage and tell people that the Varsity is going to do a... Rocky Horror Picture Show at midnight. Please come on down. I said, yeah, sure. Just go sure. make sure it's cool with whoever's side of the stage. Go and talk to whoever's at the side of the stage. And then, at, like, right as Hugh, and I don't know if it was Woodbox Gang or if it was the People versus Hugh Daniel or whichever. Hugh. Yeah, it was Woodbox. Okay, it was Woodbox. So I go up and I'm like, hey, Hugh, like, as they're coming off stage, you guys care to do, like, an encore because these people definitely want an encore. Yeah. I want to make an announcement and I also want to, like, get them jazzed up about whatever. So I, in, in like in the 30 seconds, Q gets his confused look like, what the fuck's going on, man? <laughs> whatever. I'll just go with it. Like just, right. I mean, so I, so I get him. So I jump back up on stage and I huck and I shuck my, my varsity stuff for like, you know, a minute or two, they come back, they plug back in and I threw the whole like, function of the show off because now i've pushed those get straight off jackets the stage back by like by like 10 minutes get off the stage and i and i and i come down and i'm like walking around and steve mitchell is 
booking it up the side of the stuff. Like, how the fuck did he just get up there? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. And, like, we, we've never, like, really talked about it. I don't remember if I've, like, apologized to him outright on, like, I wasn't there to, like, blow up your show, man. I was just there to promote something I asked. Like, I didn't just jump up on stage yeah. and grab a mic. Like, I went through a chain of command that was clearly not the full chain of command. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I will say this, though. There was a little bit of animosity about the stage. I, I had some issues because I was out of town. Yeah. I was in Florida. We we play a festival down there in yeah. Gainesville that we've been doing for like Oh, yeah. I can't wait to talk about Less Than Jake. We'll totally talk about Less Than Jake in a second. But that was when Donald Trump was in town. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hey, I don't want anybody getting on that stage. Like, I don't want any. Yeah. I don't want anybody using that stage for any political yeah. platform yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, this has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Uh, well, luckily we were. That had nothing to, to do with it. Yeah, I'm no, sure. No, no, but, no. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I it was. There. It was lucky happenstance that he just happened to stay at the airport instead of coming all the way through town to the arena. Oh uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we had our chance. <laughs> Darn. So, so like, wait, you you get to you get to pal around with some folks that have some bigger names in music just by virtue of like being yeah, and I, yeah, I I like yeah, big big less than Jake fan, but like, who are so, who are the, some of the, like the notable folks that you like that you really enjoy that you get to like pal around with or have relationships with or you know that just kind of makes it cool because music is just a small world and if you play punk rock then you know other people that Man, play punk so rock so many i mean i don't even know where to start well make that. sure you offend all of them by I only can't. listing like i mean there's <laughs> i honestly like i don't even know where i would start with that like, yeah yeah there's just certain people there's people and uh like i've said before the world of punk rock is really pretty small yeah like once you stick around for a long time, you will rub elbows with everybody. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know how it is with every genre of music, but there's a thing that punk prides itself on of being, like, accessible. Yeah. The artists are accessible. Like, if you walk around to the back of the club before the band plays, chances are they're going to be, like, standing out by the bus. Yeah. And they'll talk to you. Hey, man, can I bow my square? Let's right. chat. Let's like, talk. Like, whatever. Yeah. Maybe not always, but they're pretty accessible. So that that in itself lends itself to like you know being able to talk to people but yeah yeah there's i don't know man there's a there's a lot of people i would say like someone like kevin seconds who is the singer of seven seconds which mm -hmm. is a huge band for me yeah. when i was growing up like being able to call him a friend of mine is pretty crazy yeah because his lyrics meant a lot to me whenever i was a kid and there's so many people like that like there's a lot. Yeah. I, I don't want to like no, no, even I, go down the rabbit hole of yeah, like, no, I, I don't even know where great, to start. That's a, that's a great or like, answer to Yeah, it. even being like, you know, when you're in like whatever city, you look over and you're like, oh man, that's so weird. Like that's the guy from, that's the guy from that band. He's yeah. just having a beer, like hanging out at the show type thing. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and be like, I'm a big fan and then like you're kind of taken aback that? Well, that's always a weird thing. There are, I mean, obviously a lot people with like tattoos and stuff. You know that like the like copy the copyrights. Oh, uh, tons. Yeah, not like the like lyrics. Does anybody have Adam Fletcher tattooed on there? No, <laughs> no. But someone did have me write out lyrics, and she tattooed it on her arm, like the way I wrote it. Like that's that kind of, that's that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there are people. <laughs> I don't know. What do you say to that? I don't Dude, know. Dude, like yeah. no, like your handwriting is literally like yeah permanent. Yeah, on somebody's yeah. And I was Bobby. like, I don't write well. I went to public school. Like, I'm not, <laughs> you don't want this, you know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure she covered it up by now, but I don't really know. But uh, yeah, there are people. It's awesome. It's great. I mean, what else could you ask for? I yeah. guess that that shit means so much to other people too. It means a lot to me, obviously. Are the kids picking up some of the? My kids? Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> no, not much at all. Ra much rather follow in mom's footsteps than She's, dad's. Yeah, my daughter's four. The other one's nine months old. So they're we're not we're not we're quite not there, there yet. yet. I no, mean, we fair. have instruments around the house, and everything I do is too loud. <laughs> I believe that. So yeah, yeah, it is. I agree. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Yeah. First time Elliot saw us at the hangar for Halloween, she was like, "Dad is too loud." I'm like, I know, I know, it is too loud. But uh, we have instruments around the house, and obviously, you know, there's a recording studio in the yeah. basement, and there's bands around, and I'm always doing band stuff. So I have no doubt that that will probably rub off in some in some way. Some way. Yeah. How'd you and Bleachner meet? We go back to high school. Oh. She, uh, yeah, she saw Malaco Plus back in the day at the Java House. Uh, 
back in the early 90s. We've been friends since 90, early 90s, mid 90s. Yeah, we've known each other forever, our whole life, basically. <laughs> did you, so did, were you guys like in your like mid 20s or something when you finally like clicked or was Yeah, this- we started dating uh, when I moved back from Delaware. So that was probably 2002, nice. 2003. And then we broke up for a while, got back together. Good. We've been together for a long time. Ah, yeah. Nice. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't pass up like at least some parts of the family life and just be like, "No, it's Adam great. Fletcher, the rock and roll family man." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she's amazing. She's incredible. She's the smartest person I know. And in that one song that you guys do, gosh dang it, uh, I, I've been listening to a lot of copyrights oh, since we started. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, getting, like, getting, I, like, like, getting oiled up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not not even just for this. Like, just since probably since we shot the thing with. Yeah, the videos. No, Gary Gabula. Oh, okay. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to butcher his last. Thank you. Because I'm just not going to say it correctly. I don't do last. I probably said it wrong. I don't do names well, period.com. But the. but yeah, ever like ever since then, when we started just like kind of clicking on stuff here, is when I really started listening to you guys, and so like I, I hear things, and like I literally envision this as like, oh cool, like this song is like About Adam some, being in love with yeah. with uh, Amanda. It's kind of yeah. like it's a really like cute feeling like it, it's kind of the same thing where like if i go up and i tell a joke about my relationship with my wife and like understanding that that like part of the art is part of the real life and like understanding where some of this stuff originates you from. probably get a lot of the carbondale references yeah oh yeah for sure yeah like you know, 57 references. north like yeah absolutely right. oh yeah all yeah. day long and i'm just yeah. like you know it, those are kind of littered <laughs> throughout our whole discography <laughs> what i what i and i really like because it's it's something that not everybody does, but it's what you guys do well, and then what all the guys for Lone Howl have done real well mm-hmm. with is like sprinkling in the the Southern Illinois and the notable things like that are just kind of in in the background there. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, once you give when you give like a song, kind of like uh, I, I don't want to get too. No, you don't. Yeah, chopping yeah, it up, yeah. but a lot of our a lot of our song, lyrics are kind of maybe a little bit open ended. Yeah. Uh, but when you give it like a specific point, like here's a street or here's a here's a landmark. Yeah. It just kind of gives it some sort of weird anchor that yeah, if that makes any sense, like it kind of points your brain into oh well. Because you got all these feelings and 51. ideas and thoughts and and I, I could sleep all night on fifty one. Yeah. What's that mean? Fifty one. You know. Oh, it's a highway. Yeah. Yeah, like if people sing about Route 66, why can't people sing about Route 51? 51. That's right. <laughs> or 57 North or whatever. <laughs> you ever going to get rid of the van? My van? Yeah. Well, yeah, I would like to. Really? Uh, well, Is this, are, are, we, are we announcing the... No. <laughs> Have you looked at the cost of vehicles? It's astronomical. I can't afford it right now. <laughs> but fair. I would like to get something that's a little bit bigger. I don't really necessarily want to go hanging out in a dirty backstage right now during yeah. a pandemic. Like I'm having some... Maybe some, you know, uh, I'm a little scared of, of that. So you're like not worried about, do I need a new band vehicle at the moment? Well, I might want to get something that's a little bit bigger so that maybe we could just hang out and have a little bit more space in a bigger van. <laughs> All like, right. a, like a shuttle bus type of thing. But, oh, oh, oh. You're, but you're, I probably you're, won't uh, buy one because cars are astronomical and I already have a van. Yeah, so. yeah why, why get rid of it when that's it works That's the second now? van. That's the second Dodge uh, B350 Uh yeah, it was a the first one was a prisoner transport vehicle. Nice that we bought from Missouri came from the Department of Corrections. Isn't it crazy? Like just the secondhand van market mm-hmm. that people don't understand if they're not full in. Of, I called the guy. He had two of them, and he sold it. And I was like, ah, oh, damn. And he was like, well, I got another one, but it's just got no seats in it. It's just full of bars on the windows. And I'm like, I'll be right there. <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> I can't come by it fast exactly enough. Exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> you mean it's tough to break into and it's empty? Yes. Yeah. Deal. Exactly what I need. Yeah. So, yeah, we had that forever. Drove it into the ground, and then I just took all the bars out of the windows and put them in the same model van that was like five years later. That's great. Yeah. It's okay. It still works, but we're at the point, like I said, like I might want a little bit more room. <sighs> Cheeseburger wrappers eating in the back of it. Yeah, I told you that Coming story. Coming off tour, man. I well, mean, that's a... Right. Well, like, yeah, I, I told Nathan this story. Oh, you're like, and he's going to bring it up in the podcast, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's some, what happens. I use these things against you. Sometimes so post-touring, like, 
whenever I had more free time. Uh, yeah, one of the things that I find comforting is like living in a van. Yeah. So you drive around in a van, like sleeping in a van all day. And so sometimes I would find myself like going and getting fast food and then just eating it in the van <laughs> in the parking lot or like the mall or yeah. whatever. And like, that's what I would do on tour. It's like a comforting thing. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Man. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, everybody's got their, their thing that keeps them in the zone for what they do in life. And like, that's the thing that works. Yeah. I don't do it anymore. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. But you did it before, which is why you get razzed about yeah, it. Now. No, that's that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I still enjoy it. I still like eating fast food in the car. It's probably a comforting thing of like being, on well, now you got time. kids. So you got a great excuse to drive around and eat I fast food in the yeah. car. Yeah. There's some happy meals. There's, There's happy a bottle meal. of milk. I'm going to yeah. eat my fries and burger that's up front. Right. It's all, it's all. Those crazy. are bad habits that I don't try to, I don't try to, enforce no. on my children but at, at, at least you've got somebody that is a that is a very mindful and, and cognizant person in the household that understands she's a pro are you getting me <laughs> so she i'm is, an idiot yeah <laughs> well so. listen man you said it not me oh i live it i know <laughs> are you kidding me i never even went to college ah <laughs> oh, he went uh, to the college of life uh, um he's hold on hold on god i'm trying to transition out of this and then what what was it that's uh that's the not the college thing. I'm thinking like the the Silver Spoon. The school of Hard No Knocks. Uh, yeah, the school. Of, <laughs> went to the school of No school, Knocks. School of No Knocks. It's the opposite of Hard Knocks. <laughs> I had someone from Italy send me a really late night Facebook message recently asking me specifically about what that meant. And I was like, it's the opposite. I actually said something like, a lot of douchebags in the United States put, I graduated from the school of Hard Knocks. Uh-huh. And it's the complete opposite of that. <laughs> and it's actually like, you know, kind of describing our, you know, our privilege yeah. of where I come from. Yeah, I didn't grow up rich by any means. A coal miner's salary in a two-bedroom house in Carterville. Yeah. Which mine is your... But I, I, in the scheme of the world, yeah. I won the lottery. Yeah. Man, I'm like, I, I won the lottery. I'm doing which, fine. Which, so. which, which mine? Do you? Uh, he worked at Old Ben, oh. Cole, up, yeah, in Benton, and right. up there. I'm just like, now I got family coal miner stuff. Oh, now, yeah, but that's yeah. a That's an issue for another time, because we're wrapped up on this one, episode oh. 91, WTF Carbondale Podcast. Uh, oh, wait, no, 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 no. I keep trying to exit out of this. Lost Cross got? 35th anniversary. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> September 24th and 25th, Lost Cross 35th anniversary. Uh, there's bands all over town. If you want to buy a wristband, it's 20 bucks from lostcross.org. It gets you into all the concerts. There's a show at PK's on Friday, Hangar on Friday, Lost Cross Outdoor Stage on Saturday, and then PK's and Hangar on Saturday night. All the stages are outside. Everything's outdoors. Entertainment district. Open container. Yeah. Let's have a good time. What a blast. I hope so. Uh, and we will have a good one, folks. Whatever that one may be.